Indiana Runner Podcast, Season 2, Episode 19. Josh Horowitz and I go through the silly season of the sectional, recapping all 32 sectional champions from around the state of Indiana. And then after the break, we talk a little philosophically, including some some longer rants about uh, the approach, whether it should be a three-round tournament, and many more things. Let's hit it. The silly season was upon us and is now behind us. Two of the silliest guys you know, Colin Altavote and Josh Horowitz on the Indiana Runner Podcast. The sectional round is over, more accurately known as the silly season, according to our podcast. We're going to go through every single sectional quickly, very quickly, and uh, update you on which teams won couple just kind of trivia questions off the top. I want to see if you can get this. Of the 32 sectionals, Josh, how many of them do you think were swept by the same school? Same school on the boys and the girls team score. I'm going to guess because it's funny. I was going to look look it up and like try to figure it out, and I didn't end up counting. So this is an actual guess. I'm going to say eight. There are eight schools who won both the boys and the girls. There were 13. So yours was an educated guess, right? Or an estimate? Yes. You, you had something to base off because you looked at it. Okay. One boys team scored 15 points at their sectional. Can you name them? Yes. Yeah. It was uh, Hamilton Southeastern. Correct. The Hamilton Southeastern boys scored 15. The Fishers boys, another po- possible podium team, were in their sectional but sat all, most or all of their seven best boys. One girls team scored 15 points. Can you name them? Girls team that scored 15. It was uh, Lake Central. It was Lake Central. Nailed it. This is, this is a great quiz for uh, when I went through all the sectionals earlier. Yeah, I know. Just now you're spending a ton of time on it, right? You're glancing through. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good memory. Let's go through each of the sectionals. And feel free to interrupt me on any of them if you've got uh, something to talk about. I wish we had, like, the ESPN voice guy, the voiceover, you know. Sectional one, Lake Central boys and girls won, and the girls had 15 points. Sectional two, Crown Point boys and the Ileana Christian girls. It's not a school you hear of very often. I can't do that voice the whole time. Sectional three. The Laporte boys won by one over Valparaiso. Always close up in the region. And the Valparaiso girls won by four over Chesterton. Sectional four, Morgan Township boys and girls were both victorious. Sectional five, the Benton Central boys. You know Ben Central's nickname? No, I don't. Bison. That's a good one. And the Seeger girls. I think Seeger, you know Seeger? What their nickname is? Yeah. No. I think it's the Patriots. Oh, that's a good, that is a really good one. They were, they are in our sectional or regional rather for track. And oftentimes I think their boys have worn American flag shorts. <laughs> Goes with the uniform. Yep. Sectional eight or six rather. Lafayette Jeff boys and the Harrison girls won. 
sectional seven, Warsaw boys and the Warsaw girls. And then sectional eight, this is rounding out the New Prairie semi-state, the Northwestern boys won and the Western girls won. There were three directional only schools that won a sectional title today. Those were two of them. Moving down, or over rather, to uh, the New Haven semi-state, sectional nine, the Penn boys with the return of Carter Kayser, Kayser Soze, vaulting the Penn boys back into the usual suspects for the semi-state. Uh, they won and the Penn girls won also. The race of the day here individually at sectional 10. Do you see the video of Wait, this? Well, back to sectional nine. Uh -huh. I know you're going to go to 10. Because uh, not only did the Penn boys and girls win as a team, but the individual victories were also by what I'm going to call Penn pals, Mariana Retzloff and Julie Smith. So a couple Penn victories there for the Penn pals. I like that. Penn pals. That's, that could be a poster. Do we even do posters anymore? I don't know that we do. The kids have posters in their room. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like a, like like a, the, like a 16-year-old kid would have a poster of like Zion Williamson or something. Right, right. Okay. I think I think that still exists. Yeah. Maybe 16 is a little old. Maybe more like 10. Uh, sectional 10, Goshen boys are having a very good year. Northridge girls also having a good year. And this was the race of the day between. I believe it was Drew Hogan. It could have been Cole Johnston from Goshen. It was Drew Hogan. It was Drew Hogan and uh, Jack Moore from Northridge separated by hundreds of a second. Um, however, that got picked up. I imagine they, they went to a photo finish as well. I saw a video of it like, who do you think won? But it's not from a very good angle. And I, I think there may have been uh, ulterior motives to posting that other than just presenting the sport. And they, they were 1532 was their time, uh, which were the fastest two times of the day on the boys' side. Yeah, I saw someone had said only four boys broke 16 minutes a day, and three of them were in the same yeah. in the same it, section. It, it was and, the three in this race and then Isaiah Sturry. Right. So and and it's the silly season, right? So many of the top 50 runners didn't run and and others ran, but but maybe not uh to the best of their abilities, where obviously those those three boys in that sectional really got after it. Uh, speaking of Isaiah Sturry, in sectional 11, the Angola boys and the East Noble girls took home the trophies. Sectional 12, the Concordia boys and the Carroll girls. How many sectional titles in a row do you think the Carroll girls have won? 12. 22. <laughs> The I'm underestimating time, all these teams. The last time the Carroll girls didn't win the sectional, I was 12. I was yet, I wasn't in high school. I was in sixth grade. And, it was in a uh, different century. Yeah. I mean, I was, millennium. I went to a high school very close to, to Carroll. You're right. It was, right. it was in the 1900s. Uh, yeah. Just by one year. Uh, that was year the matrix came out 1999. Shout out to the matrix. Shout out. Sectional 16 or 13. Man, there's a lot of sectionals. We're going to get into that later. <laughs> Belmont boys and Fort Wayne South girls. Sectional 14, Oak Hill boys and Huntington North girls. Sectional 15 was a sweep by Hamilton Southeastern, including their boys scoring just 15 points. It's not a lot. And the last sectional leading to the New Haven semi-state was the Wapahani boys and the Yorktown girls. 
I think so. I think this was um, Nikki Sutherland was the girls' winner, and she won by two minutes twenty five seconds, which I think was the largest margin of victory on the day, on the girls' side at least. I would imagine so because Lily Cridge, who often wins her races by more than that, ran against girls that'll probably finish in the top ten at the state meet. I mean, like maybe four, three of them, the top four at that sectional, maybe yeah. in the top ten at the state meet. Yeah, I, in I, fact, I, well, I think they were. I think they were last year. That that was my note when we get when we get to I, I can say it for when we get to that actually when we get to that sectional. Moving down to the Shelbyville semi-state sectionals. Sectional 17, Avon boys and girls swept. Sectional 18, Zionsville boys, 16 points there. And girls won. Sectional 19, Carmel boys, shout out. And the Noblesville girls. Would you believe me if I told you that Carmel boys had not won the sectional since 2019? Yeah, I saw that stat somewhere. Um, I'd believe it. Fun facts. I I said that to some kids on our team. and like, what, really? And then they thought about it and they're like, oh, okay, we didn't win last year. Uh, sectional 20, the Burbuff boys fully loaded. They won over North Central, and the North Central girls got uh revenge for their male counterparts. Uh, that counts as revenge. Sectional yeah, 21, so, the, so yeah, so the basically we'd say oh, yeah, is that four, four of the top 10 girls in the state on INCC stats were in this sectional, and so especially in a weekend where. Like we'll get to a lot of uh, maybe top runners on teams were held out. There were still four of the top 10 girls in the state in one sectional, which is pretty crazy. Sectional 21, Franklin Central boys and girls in a sweep. They do share a coach. Matt Sweetman now coaches both the boys and the girls. Sectional 22, the other directional school, the Northeastern boys and the Centerville girls. That's not fully directional, but it's at least partially. So. Sectional 23, the Batesville boys and girls. And I didn't put a check mark next to that. So actually, Josh, there were 14 schools that mm. swept. Shout out Tyler Rell, my old college teammate and friend, went to Batesville High School. Uh, sectional 24, Center Grove boys, shorthanded but still victorious. And the Franklin girls. Those were the eight feeder sectionals for the Shelbyville semi-state. Uh, Brown County semi-state sectional 25 Columbus North boys and girls. Would you believe me if I told you that Columbus North boys hadn't won the sectional since 2019? I would believe you. Cause I knew that. So yeah, did. pretty that shocking is, though. Still, that is a true, a true statement, a fun fact, if you will, sectional 26, the Austin boys and the Charlestown girls sectional 27, the Bloomington North boys and girls sectional 28, the North view boys and girls. Sectional 29, the Floyd boys and girls. Shout out Scott Lidskin, loves Floyd Central. Sectional 30, the Jasper boys and girls. Sectional 31, South Knox boys and girls. Everybody knows I'm a huge fan of South Knox. And in sectional 32, the Castle boys and the Wrights girls. So most of our sweeps actually came in the, uh, in the southern part of the state. Makes somewhat sense. It makes, it makes sense given uh, how far a, apart the big schools are in that semi-state and how certain we seem about most of those state meet advancing teams. Right. Are we sure there's not more sectionals to go through? I'm, I'm sure. Those are 32 okay. of them. That is 
I don't, I want to say, I was going to say that's all we need, but it's actually much more than it's much more than we need. Um, anything before we kind of get into our overarching three thoughts combined this time and maybe some guess the lines because you, I have seen in the INCC stats and you haven't. Yeah. Any, any overarching thoughts specifically about teams or individuals from today? No, I think we'll really get into some, some general thoughts when we get to our storylines. Um, I, what, basically, I guess, what did we learn? Did, did we learn anything new about any teams uh, or individuals from what we saw this weekend? And I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. Probably not. It, it reminds me of this, this old YouTube video, this comedy sketch troupe. And I won't say the name of the video, um, but it's about basically a, a robot that's going crazy in a town and the robot doesn't talk. The robot just sings. And throughout the entire, if you want to know the video I'm talking about, just text me and I'll send it to you. Um, the robot just sings and then he gets arrested and he goes to, to jail and then he goes to trial and the whole time he's just singing his theme songs. And finally, they actually have to carry out the death penalty on this robot. And at the very end, one, one guy, one police officer looks at the other one as they watch this robot being given the death penalty. And he looks at one and just says, so what did we learn today? And the other guy looks at him, opens his mouth as if to say something, thinks better of it, and that's it. That, that was basically us when we got on the Zoom call. Yeah. It's, 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 it, and we understand why it is. We can talk maybe more about the, the philosophy, the strategy, whatever behind it. But ultimately, it is the silly season and this to me seems the silliest of seasons in in memory but i actually if i if i went through and looked at the results i bet that's not true i bet i just blocked this out of my memory because it's seven days before the regional which is a huge showdown in many places certainly where i coach and it's three weeks away from the state meet and it comes seven days after the laverne twilight meet which is huge and i probably just forget that the silly season the silly season uh signal yeah, kind of. We're played. good. Get, get a call from my brother. I think he wants to talk to you. <laughs> no, it's good. No, I'm sure he does. <laughs> Which one? Zach. Okay. Uh, I'm sure he always does. <laughs> so, yes, the, the silly season is behind us. Anything else for the break? No, no. We'll do storylines on the other yeah, side. What, what have we learned here? All right. Let's take a break. Gear up for cross country at Three Rivers Running Company. Whether you're just getting into the sport or you're a veteran on your way to another championship, we have everything you need to make this your best season yet. Come visit us today at 4039 North Clinton in Fort Wayne. Indiana Runner thanks Three Rivers Running Company for sponsoring the podcast. And we're back. A little more off the cuff today. Why not? It was the sectional round. We're going to play. You did such a good job on the first part that I'm interested for what you think the rest of the way. All right. Let's play a little game called Guess the Lines. I love Guess the Lines. All right. So you've looked through the results, but you haven't looked at INCC stats. 
Correct. Yeah. It's been Here's very my hard. First not to question. Learn. Which boys team do you think from your perusal of the sectional results, which boys team do you think had the best team rating, not adjusted team rating? Because obviously the top two teams on the boys side per INCC stats didn't run any of their scores, their usual scores. Mm-hmm. Which team, which boys team do you think had the best rating today? Right. So that's kind of how I went about this is just looking at the top teams and seeing which teams sat some top runners or at least seemed to sit some of their top runners. Cause obviously those teams would not have most likely the highest rating. Um, and here are three teams that I narrowed down to that clearly looked like they were in their top runners. They're in the top five, six, seven in the state, uh, HSE, Zinesville, and Burbuff on the boys' side. And I'm going to say HSE had the best rating. Close. It was Zionsville. Ah, they were my second guess. On the girls' side, which team do you think had the best rating? All right, so same, same exercise. Um, took out, you know, those top teams, Carmel, Columbus North. Um, even Floyd Central, they didn't run uh, Serencioni. So it brought me Serencione, we've been told. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Serencione. Um, so girl side brought me down to Noblesville, North Central, and Westfield. Okay. And I think I'm actually going to go Westfield on this one. Westfield got beat by Noblesville. You still think they might have had a better rating? I do. Okay. You're wrong. Ah. You did nail the top three, and they're actually only separated by 10 points. That was the top three? In that order. Noblesville, North Central, okay. and Westfield. Now, North Central, this wasn't the question, but North Central had an adjusted rating of 185. They only sat one of their top five. And if I click on it, she had run the previous three meets. So I, I don't know that it's any cause for alarm. All I have right. seen it before where, where team – a team finishes behind another team and they have mm. a better rating because it's obviously based on who ran. Oh, I saw that recently. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a pretty close final. Right. So. Yeah. You're talking about it uh, at that Noblesville sectional for the girls. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was like four points. Yeah. Which meet do you think rated the fastest? Now the fastest boys meet and the fastest girls meet despite the fact that these races were held on the same course right they all these meets were held at the same course on just 45 minutes apart right the fastest boys meet and the fastest girls meet were not the same one which boys sectional do you think had the fastest rating the most plus the most plus meaning the times were most likely faster today Yes. Which one had the plus, the plusest yeah. rating? So for the boys, I'm going to go with um, the, the sectional we kind of talked about that had the two fastest times, which was the Elkhart sectional, would be my guess. Okay. What about for the girls? For the girls, um, I didn't get to see a ton of times, uh, but I'm going to go with one of Actually, I'm, I'm going to go with the one that had the most um, the most top girls, which, again, like we talked about, would be the Burbuff. Okay. Sectional. You're not even close. 
The All fastest right. boys sectional <laughs> at plus 19 was Brown County. The Elkhart sectional is somewhere around 8th, 9th, 10th, and it rated plus 4, so 15 seconds slower than the Brown County one. On the girls' side, you said Burbuff sectional. That yeah. that course was a mess. I have heard. You've you've run on it when it was a mess. Yeah. The Burbuff sectional ranked minus twenty five. Okay, I went about this the wrong way then. The Harrison sectional was plus twenty seven. Okay. So yeah, thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Kind of shot in the dark for me, but. Just went about the wrong way. Um, you were at the Bedford North Lawrence sectional for the boys. Yes. That's where your team runs. You would have obviously paid more attention to the boys than the girls. I'd, I'd say that's fair. A tiny bit. I, I've been helping with the girls a little bit this season too. So I was, I was watching their race as well. Do you want to guess the rating for the Bedford North Lawrence sectional? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me. I, I should have done the calculation, but I'm going to go. Is, is it the same for the boys and girls? I, uh, I don't know. I'm looking at the boys. Okay, the boys, I'm going to say minus, minus 20. Minus 22. Oh, let's go. You want to guess the it. girls? Girls. Remember, the girls was later, right? Right. And I imagine relatively warm down there. Yes. Um, let's go a few few more seconds. How about minus 25? Minus 42. Ooh. All right. Well, here's our other thing that we always do. Three thoughts. It hasn't been three weeks since our last podcast, I do not believe. So instead of doing three each, why don't we do three combined? So you give me your three thoughts and I'll I'll chime in. Sounds good. So number one thought last week I talked about, or last time I was on, I guess we did the storylines. We talked about the top boys individuals. And so this time wanted to uh, shout out the top girls individuals and just at, ask you a few questions about it too. First question. So is, is this year going to be a race for second? Yes. Okay. So is it going to be a race for second or is it going to actually be a race for third? So the, then that, yeah, that would be another question. Then how many would be in that first chase pack? Cause if you got cridge as the supposed winner, is, is that who you were thinking? Yes. Hopefully? Yes. Okay. Then will it be a race for third? Who do you have as second? Sutherland. Okay. And she's second on stats, right? By about 30 seconds. Right. And then yeah. the next tier would be Kennedy, uh, Farley, Kennedy, Farley James, James. Yeah. Serencione, Kaylee Polizza, um Knobloch. Potentially. Potentially. Wiley, potentially. Especially once. I should check this. I wonder. I wonder where Huntington North is in the soccer tournament. The section. I checked. I checked for for you. Okay. They they lost in the second round. So I think we could see a performance bump from her now that it's just running. That's what I was thinking. Because, I mean, she didn't have to play a game today. Like, I I doubt she would have saved anything necessarily for her soccer game, but she didn't have one today. 
And she can go to practice every day now. Yeah. So throw her in there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's the question. Is it a race for second, a race for third? How many it might still It race? might still be a race for second, but I, I – Sutherland seems to, based on all of the stats, has, has seemed to separate herself, even though she's really not all that close to. And it's crazy because I think – I think Kennedy is ranked third and she finished behind her teammate today. She missed at least one meet um, recently, if not two or three, uh, but she ran, she, she raced today and she got beat by Farley, but Farley who's ranked, I don't know, like third, fifth, sixth or whatever on INCC stats, not third far, or um, Kennedy's third, but like how much did Cridge beat Kennedy by today? How much did Cridge beat Kennedy and Farley by today? Like a minute, right? Yeah. And those are girls um, that probably will finish in the top 10 at the state meet, if not in the top five, right? Right, right. They, I mean, they were, what, one, three, and four on INCC stats? Right. Yeah, it was it was a minute and seven seconds from uh, Cridge to Farley today. I mean, that's that's incredible. Like, Cridge is undoubtedly the, the, the queen of Indiana distance running. It at least cross country. I mean, how much we weigh, you know, that, that Wiley is going to win the eight and the 16 this year at the state meet. I guess it's hard to say that Cridge is way better than her over 3,200 and 5k, but right now it's, it's not even close. It's, it's yeah. And team, team Lily shout out. Oh yeah, you're right. Also sportsmanship award. I'm going to give, cause I heard she was, you know, she finished and she was, uh, then turning around and handing water to finishers coming in the rest of the race. So sure. she, had a lot of time. she had a lot of time to catch her breath. Then. Exactly. Uh, all right. So what are our three, three thoughts where one was just the girls team race, right? Yep. The, yes. yes. Is, throw it, on one, is the it a race for second? And I said, no, it's actually probably a race for third. And then how, and then how many are in that chase pack? And it sounds like we have it you know five six seven names that would yeah. be K kennedy james farley serencione uh Polizza, you said knoblock wiley that's eight mm -hmm. uh i i wouldn't rule out julia keesler from columbus north yep. she's been good call she's been a little more sporadic but her really really good races are really really good so i mean i don't think she's going to finish outside the top 20 but i think she could finish third what about your first cousin once removed? Uh, I don't see her getting third. Okay. I, I think I think she's top ten. I think someone like just in general, and and she's my family, so this you know, and she goes to the school where I teach. But so that makes it a little a little more hard, a little harder to be objective, more challenging to be objective. Um, someone like that who's really really solid but doesn't necessarily have the upside of a girl that's run under five minutes or a girl that's run under 11 minutes or or under 10 40 or whatever but she's on a contending team the odds of her finishing outside the top 20 aren't very good but the odds of her finishing in the top five probably aren't great either she's right. she, some of these some of these girls can swing like a full standard deviation from their normal performance, but she's probably going to be more right in the middle, I'd say. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I think she'll be eighth, eleventh, thirteenth, somewhere like that. And she was fifteenth last year, so she knows how to run on the on the Laverne course. Uh, let me look to today on the adjusted ratings. Cridge's adjusted rating was seventeen twelve. Polizza from uh, Valparaiso actually had the second best rating of eighteen oh three. And then Sutherland was 1814. Corinna James was 1814. Gretchen Farley was 1816. And Lillian Zalaska was 1818. So Sutherland, as we say, she's far and away the second best. She did have her worst rating of the season. Hmm. But which, so, and again, we don't know. We don't know how hard she ran. Yeah. And it was still 1814. So to put 1814 in perspective, if that were her season average, 1814 all time would be the 42nd, 43rd best girl ever. And it would, it would be eighth overall. Like if you just put that. Right. Into and, the- and right now her season rating is 1730 and she is fourth all time. Sophia Kennedy right now, her season rating is 1739, and she's sixth all-time. So three of the top six are in high school right now. It's good stuff from the individual girls, for sure. And, and you know, Kennedy's sixth all-time, but I don't think it's a lock that she finishes in the top six This at the state meet, right? But if we switch to the boys, some of the boys are like, third all-time, eighth all-time, 12th all-time. I'm going to lock it in. They're going to finish at least – those boys are going to finish at least in the top three, the top eight, and the top 12, respectively. Yes. Yep. What's your, what's your second thought? All right. Uh, storyline? hmm All right. Second storyline. Um, this is a perfect time of year, I think, to discuss it. Maybe a week too late for some coaches, but just the, the thoughts and decisions that coaches – um, run into when deciding who the seven runners will be for their team in the sectional, the regional, semi-state, state, whatever round it is. Um, and this is not considering sitting athletes or holding out athletes, but how, you know, how you figure out which seven will run, like what are your best seven? And I, I'm going to go through a general kind of protocol that at least I would take and uh, pipe in if you agree, disagree, or have thoughts, but you're always looking for first the locks, right? Like, every team probably has three, four, five people that are for sure in your top seven. They've been in the top seven all year. Their spots are pretty safe. So now you're looking to fill the last two, three spots or however many. So you get the old uh, Excel spreadsheet out and do the average places of all those runners, the five, six, seven, eight, nine runners, try to figure out who's had the best average place, but not necessarily the entire season. Or you can go on to a, website that has that excel spreadsheet already done for every team in the that's state. right that's right incc sets um but also not necessarily the entire season but maybe the last two three four right. meets however many you feel as a coach is significant enough to justify you know the placings um you know and then different coaches have different rules i know at carmel we were always a no it was it was usually a you had to beat someone twice to, to get the spot. Um, some coaches go based off of what uh, progression is going on with, with certain kids, if they're coming back from injury. I know you had a situation like that a few years ago, um, but it's, 
So I, I don't know if this, this, this is something I've been thinking about. Like I said, I'm sure a lot of coaches are going through it right now. Um, and I don't know if this will help anyone, but just giving thoughts about it. Cause it's a kind of a big thing that a lot of people are dealing with right now. I, yeah, I think there's certainly a certain number of locks and, and then I, I don't know if this, if this leads into your third thought, if we're going to talk about what, what is our, as a team in general, what is our, um, what's our philosophy? What is our, our goal? What are we doing heading into the sectional? Do guys sit, do guys jog guys, guys or girls? I, I coach the boys. So I'm just thinking from more from my own perspective as a coach rather than in general. Um, and there's also, like you said, you can have somebody that missed three or four or five meets or hasn't even run all season. Anna Rohr, her senior year didn't run until the sectional. I, I would doubt that there was anybody in Mishawaka that would say, well, why are you running her? She hasn't run all season. Um, and yeah, we've, any school, I think, especially any kind of state meet type team is going to deal with that. We had that two years ago, although it, it was more like this, the kid that ended up running for us in the state meet didn't run until our second to last meet. So like late, um, late September. And I was just telling the other kids on the team, he's going to run in the sectional and the regional, no matter what. So, and when he actually came back in the first meet, he did such a good job working out, doing really hard bike workouts for the three or four weeks. He wasn't able to run that the first meet he came back, we ran almost all of our guys at that meet. And he was, he ran in the JV because we could only run seven in the varsity, but he was our fifth guy at that meet. Then he was our fifth guy at the next meet. And then the section on the regional, we balanced it out a little bit more. So I think maybe at the regional, he was like our second guy and he was our fourth guy at the state meet. So we didn't, I didn't really have to go to the well of like, Hey, this is why we're doing it. But yeah, there's probably been one of those situations every three years. And I'm just, I think as a coach, it's just good to be upfront with the kids on the team and explain it and be like, especially when the sectional roster used to be 12. If you had a kid that hadn't run all year and you have a good team, a competitive team, and it's like, this kid's not going to run until the week before the sectional or even in the sectional. And he's going to run in the sectional and the regional for us. And then we'll decide after that who our best seven boys or our best seven girls are. You got, you got to get ahead on those, on those things. And yeah, you made a great point about, you know, if, if you have someone that is coming back, the the team hopefully would know like hey this kid maybe should have been the second or third guy if they had a full season of training and so they kind of know maybe it is only open to six spots instead of seven expecting that guy to potentially come back um that's a situation that we're dealing with right now and i um, think i think it's worth if you've been the coach for a while too you've got more rapport and there there's probably a better way of saying it than what I have started saying in the last couple of years. But I just say I'm the coach and I get to make those decisions because I'm almost always right. And I think I've said that like jokingly on the podcast about stuff, but I'll say that at our practice. Like we had a kid in, I, we may have talked about this on your podcast um, after the, around the state track meets, we had a kid on our team at Carmel that I just, I don't know. I just thought he could be really good at the 800 and he, he was good, but he kept running 
203 all season, which, you know, that's not going to make, we had, we had a potential state championship track team, right? That's not going to help us in any aspect, even on the four bite, if he runs 203 and he ran 203 all season. And finally it came time for the sectional. And we certainly couldn't, we were holding guys out of the four by eight, but we still couldn't justify putting him in because some guys had beaten him two in a row. So I put him in the open eight and I was like, whatever, he gets one more shot. And if he runs two or three again, like whatever, we gave him as many chances as we could. I just kept telling our head track coach, I can't, I can't quit him. I can't quit Shuma. And in the sectional, he ran 157 high. We ran him again at the regional. And then at the state meet, he let off in the lead. And we, we just had to give him as many shots as possible. And it probably looked crazy um, that it's like, why are you running him in the open eight when he's their seventh or eighth fastest guy over 800 meters? And that, that was why. Where there was, I told one of my other friends who coaches, like, there's like a 2% chance that he can lead off in 155 high at the state meet. And I was wrong. It was the other 98%. He ran 156.1. There, so, there's a quote. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was, I'll, I'll bring that up because it's, I've seen this for a long time. I, you just, you guys need to trust me to make the right decisions and I'm going to present it and tell it to all of you. Those of you that are impacted by the decision in the most fair way possible. Yeah. There's a quote from, from a top CEO somewhere that said, basically says like the, you got to make a decision or some of the best decisions are made with 70% of the information. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Uh, is this, what's this from good to great maybe or i don't remember exactly where it's from it sounds like a me. blink malcolm godwell blink <laughs> yeah it does sound like one of those but but you know basically saying if you wait to have all the information you might be too late and so yeah i'm just saying that to say like as a, as a coach which basically i think this is a better way to say it something that we always talk about like if you have justification for your decision that you you got to have justification either way and and show it to your team, what, whatever that justification is, if it's, if it's questioned or coach, you're going to think about yeah, or ultimately on each side or ultimately when, and when you get to this point, maybe as a coach, the justification is this is what I think is best for us. Yes. And maybe, and maybe I'm wrong, but recent history would lead me to believe that I'm not. So we, we did that in 2018. We had, um, a kid that it, it has, it has apex was like our third or fourth best guy. And, um, but he, he'd hurt himself in the mud at Brown County and couldn't run for two or three or four weeks. And we brought him back, ran him in the, the sectional and he was terrible, like a minute behind the next guy that would have. And so we had to pull him out he the, that was his second race back he just wasn't clearly wasn't one of our seven best guys and another kid didn't didn't feel great around the state meet and I was like well I'm just gonna take you out and put this other kid in because you just you don't feel good um and he got that and there's another kid that had beaten Ben Johnson this this kid that we eventually put in at the state meet he'd beaten him a lot of the times and I just brought him into the office and I was like hey man I know it's not fair but I know you beat him these last two or three times, but I just feel like his top end is what we're going to need if we're going to win. And we put, we put in Ben Johnson and he finished 40th at the state meet and he was our third guy and we won. And I, 
Nobody can blame after that one. Right, right, right. And that's like every situation is different. And that's one of the arguments is what is a certain person's upside? You know, if they're running as like your sixth or seventh, but they have a potential of your fourth or fifth. Over you've got to put them. You've, I mean, then, that's, yeah. you don't want, I mean, it also depends on where you are as a team too, right? Like yes. <laughs> we'd, we'd rather, it, but we weren't the favorite going in that year anyways, because we'd lost in the regional and the semi-state. Now, I had a feeling that we would perform better at the state meet than we would at the regional and the semi-state based on a variety of factors, um, and I was, I was correct on that. But, yeah, I, in that case, it was like, well, this isn't, you're, this isn't fair. And, and to, the, to the credit of the kid that we didn't run, uh, not the kid that didn't feel good that we took out of the seven, but the, the kid that was basically our eighth best kid, he was totally fine with it. He was cool with it. Um, and the kid that didn't feel good and was just had been sick and didn't get the run. He, he was fine with it. And, and that's also galvanizing for a team when you put this guy in that, and everyone is, is excited about it, excited to see him run. And then it helps if that kid finishes 40th at the state meet. Yeah. Yeah. But buys you. As a coach that buys you a couple, I, <laughs> I've gone all in on a couple decisions uh, around tournament time the last two years. And uh that 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 buys you a couple it's like winning the super bowl as a coach right that no matter how bad you are that buys you a couple that buys you a right. couple of years right a super bowl winning coach gets like an automatic four or five more years yeah like yeah, who was the guy who was the guy from the eagles like he got Doug he was Peterson. terrible right and he yeah, they just Doug fired Peterson. him they gave him like three or four more years than he should have had right right all right i don't know oh yeah one more storyline this is the big one. So we just had the sectional round, silly season. The silliest of seasons. And I, I just want to go through this. There's obviously pros and cons to the sectional. I think you mentioned a couple of them. Um, there, there's a lot of small schools that get chances to win big meets, which I think is really cool for those schools. Um, as I was looking through the results today, like I already said, I looked at every sectional. Um, lots of schools I probably hadn't even seen before winning sectionals. Congratulations. Great for them. A lot of schools moving on to regionals. That's obviously a pro of the four round tournament. Yes. Um, but as we've talked about how many of these meets were competitive with many teams sitting their top athletes, um, either tempoing or not running as hard. Um, so that's obviously one of the cons right now that's happening and why there's talks that you've had on this podcast and with other people about and those are happening at the IHSA level, right? They're, they're not just here. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's a legitimate thing that could happen that we yeah. could go to three rounds. Um, so it was, I guess was today even more telling of that potential move. So it wasn't as I had thought maybe even more so than it's ever been, it would be obvious with and I think it's just at about the same level as usual in terms of that. Now there's a couple questions to me. This is this is as a coach, but but not. I'm I'm trying to become less provincial than I've been, and I'm trying to see what my role as as a, a partner and owner of Indiana Runner, what my role is as a, the coach of a of a very very large program that has influence potentially on, on things around the state for the good of the sport and the good of the kids around Indiana. 
And that's something just in the last year or so that I'm starting to take very, very seriously, which is why, you know, uh, came up with the idea for the 3200 showcase that kind of pairs along with the flashes showcase, the, the mile one. Um, and, and our athletic department was very, uh, supportive of that. And so we're going to have that meet again, you know, starting the podcast being a little more, um, vocal, I suppose, or just interactive on Indiana runner and kind of sharing my thoughts and, and, uh, thinking about, you know, presenting more or, or offering to present more than I even do now, coaches clinic, things like that. So I think it, it, it should be a four round tournament. That's just obvious. It's just obvious, but I also think we need to think about what is, and, and I, don't, I don't hold it against any team if they decide to, to do one method versus the other, but there's essentially two, two methods to dealing with the sectional other than raising all out. One of them is you don't run many of your top boys or your top girls, and a lot of teams did that. And the other one is you have your best kids run, but they don't necessarily run as hard as they can. And I think that's very obvious when you look through the results today. One question would be, what's better for the sport? Is it better for the sport that the top kids don't run? Or is it better for the sport that the best kids do run, but they're not competing as hard as they can? And I would unequivocally say that it's much better for the sport if the it's it's best for the sport when the kids that are competing are doing so at, at their highest level. They're competing as hard as they can. Meaning it's out of those two options, you'd prefer sitting. Sitting, sitting those, the best yeah. kids and letting the next kids run. I don't think it's a good look for the sport, especially when you're getting more you're getting more attention from administration or the media, newspapers, TV stations, things like that in the, at, at the tournament than you are at the Laverne Twilight Meet or the New Prairie Invite or the Eagle Classic or things that we, those of us that live and breathe the sport and are going through it every day, we know that the Laverne Twilight Meet is probably the biggest meet all year outside of some of the conference meets to those schools. Certainly more than anything else other than the semi-state and the state meet. We know that. But when you have kids, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to deride anybody that chooses to do this. And I also know that there's typically 150 kids on my team, and the 14th best kid on our team that is going to get to run in the sectional is going to be a kid that on a perfect day could run under 17 minutes. And not every school has that. And in fact, probably no other schools have that. And that some schools need to run their guys and maybe they don't run all out because the next guy that they would replace him with or her with is a minute and a half slower and they may not advance. They don't do it. I understand that. So some teams have no other choice. Right. But I just, I don't think it's great it's not a great look to be at the sectional and kids are running around, they're running, they're jogging it or jogging, maybe not a great word. They're tempoing it or they're doing it as a workout and they're being showy 
or they're laughing and they're pointing, they're coming up the home stretch and making a show about how they aren't running as hard as they can. And I don't know how, I don't know how obvious that is. I don't know that I saw that at all today at the sectional where I was, but also the sectional where I was has three really large schools that could get away with not running their best kids if, if they didn't want to. And so right. our six best boys didn't run. And, and, and our boys that did run ran as hard as they could. And, and four or five of our seven best girls didn't run. And the girls that did run ran, ran as hard as they could. So I know that's a, I know that's a long tangent. Uh, I know a lot of you are just catching up after smashing the thirty second skip ahead button a few times. But like I, I would just say I am I am philosophically and morally opposed to having a kid run a race and not run as hard as we can as he, as he or she can. I think I do not think that's a good idea, training wise even. I, and I know I, I'm in an ivory tower on that, but. Well, no, I agree. Like, cause I think we talked about it too last week with like a simple, like meat strategy, right. Where like it, for me, it's hard to put somebody in a race and tell them not to run hard, like run their best, run hard as, run as hard as you can. Right. Well, and I think that could potentially build some bad habits. And although I don't, I don't know that I've seen very often, if ever kids that don't run as hard as they can in the sectional and then they come back and don't run well at the regional. I don't know that I've ever really seen that. Although I don't know that I would notice it because then you just be like, well, they're not very good anymore, you know. Um, Derek Leininger said this. This is this is the Derek Leininger theory. Now this is more about the sectional in track. But he said, let's say you got a boy that can run 158 or 159, and he runs in the sectional, and he runs. It's like, hey, we're not going to run all out. Just run to advance or just run your relay leg and we can get us out or whatever. And he runs 205. Derek says a, a 159 in competition and a 205 n- not in a competitive mindset feel about the same. And so it's probably not good for you to run that a 205 or to run instead of running 1630 you run 1720 and be like, why did that hurt so badly? Why did that? And that, I think, I think that's, I think that's fair. I think that's a, that's good, a good theory. theory. That is a good theory. And this comes full circle. Cause Derek was the, was the uh, highly successful CEO that said the thing about 70%. I'm sure. It's the most <laughs> successful CEO. I know. And wait, wait, who's Derek coached by? Who was he coached by? Yeah. I don't know. his high school who- coach's name. Oh, okay. Never mind. Derek's I, I, older I was, than me. Derek was Derek was my coach in high school. Derek was my assistant. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, other way I, around, not me, not me. I was I was trying to get the the six degrees of uh, of Brad Peterson going. Oh yeah, so they coached um, they coached together. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they coached together, but he was not. Derek went to Columbia City. Derek Brad Peterson wouldn't step foot in Columbia City. <laughs> had, had know, Brad, if Brad Peterson's car broke down in Columbia City, he would just call a tow truck and just never get out. So if, if, if we do move to three rounds, I, I, I'm sure you've said your suggestions already. Um, oh, I have so many. Okay, let me throw one at you. I think, I think I heard this. So instead of combining or instead of just starting at the regional round, so instead of 16 regionals, there'd be 20 as the number. 20 you get 20, down to five semi-states. Four or five you could do. Because if you say, say you go 20, then four if you advance five from each regional, then you have 25 teams at each semi-state. Can, Brown, so the, County, can, can, Brown County could handle that. New Prairie could handle that. 
Uh, Shelbyville could handle that. Yeah, that's fair. Because it's 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 only five more teams per. Yeah, I, per semi-state. I think th- I think the easiest fix is just what what did we learn today? I mean, from from an actual tournament perspective, right? Like, this is we're we're just. We're just putting we're just putting the robot through a death sentence. Like, what did we learn today? What, with the exception of a couple teams in that Brabuff sectional that has a ton of really big schools, and and the the small schools in there are Indianapolis centered private schools. So they those aren't those don't function as a as a small school the way that. A, a small public school does in Southern Indiana, like Bar Reeve or South Knox or whatever, right? Like, so other than that, like, we didn't sort anything out this week. We could just start, we could just start next week. And and then you call the, the you have 16 sectionals and you have four regions and that's it. That seems the, the easiest, quickest fix to me. And I just don't buy, I've heard people say, well, the, the regionals can't handle that many teams. Like the regional courses can't like, I, I think they can. I think most can. Noblesville could. Yeah. And if not, let's say, okay, we're going to do this in a year and give us a year to find a regional, a regional course. We can find 16 courses around these areas that can handle that. And that would be the reason for 20 instead of 16 is to maybe spread it out a tiny bit more, but then yeah. you just, somebody's got to go find, through the, then you've got to find an additional four sites and then you've got to restructure all of that. Right. The right. easiest so thing not, to me is just, just, just cut it. Just, and then, you know, it's nice. If you're, if you're Carmel or Fishers or um, Columbus North, it's kind of nice to have this round for your next seven guys that won't get to, that wouldn't get to run a tournament meet otherwise. And uh, sometimes I'm sure Danny hears this or Rick hears this too, about like, well, if your kids went to any other school, they'd be in the top seven. It's like, yeah, but they don't. So why are we, you know, it's like, well, if the NFL season ended today, then the Cardinals would have the number one seed. Like, yeah, but it doesn't. So what, what, what are we talking about? Um, it is nice to have a, a competitive race potentially in really nice conditions on a fast course at least our sectional is, is on a really fast course and to let them compete but also like if we didn't have a meet this weekend at all we could just have some sort of big jv invite somewhere and we wouldn't be bound by geography anyways mm-hmm. and but i think there's also for the frustration over the weather that no one has any control over that but like right I, and <laughs> i know, think that the 72 in noblesville like some years it's 52 that makes a big difference and for those kids who that's their last race today the seventh, eighth, ninth, well, not the seventh, but the eighth, ninth, tenth kids from Carmel or Noblesville or Columbus North or Westfield or whatever, like would have been nice to run 1635 instead of 1652. Right. And, and I think the three rounds would increase a sense of urgency. Right. Too. I mean, the hard part is for some of those teams that advancing, advancing to the sectional is advancing from the sectional to the regional is some sort of tangible success that we would be taking away if we didn't have that round. And, and I don't want to belittle that point, but I also like, let's be realistic. Like what, what is that really worth if every sectional really only has about five teams taking it seriously? And I, or, or we could class the tournament 
And well, that was my would, next question. You know, I I would I'll dress up in a suit and go and talk to Paul Nightig and 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 maybe Derek wants to go to you know Derek's got to be my talk talk good sense for him be my translator at that. Um, and and this is something to talk about you know with the coaches association, but like we could have a class tournament where teams advance based on school size, but also have a combined race at the state meet. The technology is there. It'd be very easy. And you could have a separate sectional and regional and then at the state meet. And then we, we, we do crown an individual champion and a top 20, top 20 medalists, all state. And then we have top two teams in each class in the big school and the small school. And, and I think, I, yeah, go ahead. I was say, I, I think that, and that's kind of the next thing, like, does this open the window for that, for that to become more reality of two classes? I, I also don't think I, a lot of the people I hear suggesting two classes, I don't think they realize where the line is. We talk about that all the time. Because I, I hear, for instance, the, one of the years, two of the years that, that we've lost the state lot, we shouldn't say lose. Two of the years that that Carmel, the team that I coached, has finished second to the state meet, we finished second to small schools. One of those was West Lafayette and one of those was Concordia. And um, now those are also two schools that I don't know. I've heard talk a lot about whether there should be a classic system or not. Um, But if you go by just straight 50% enrollment, 50% of the enrollment on one side and the other, the cutoff is like 400 kids or something. It's, it's a really, really small number. And so then do we go to three classes? Was that just cutting it in half, you said? Yeah, so that's okay. it, the, the easiest way to do that is sometimes people look at football and they'll do, well, 3A versus 4, 5, and 6A. But there's not six football classes. There are five football classes broken up into equal amounts of enrollment, 20% in each. And then 6A is just the upper 32 teams, and 5A is the lower 32 teams. So each of those um, classes has about 60 schools in it. So 60 times 5 is 300. Let's add another 20 in there and call that 320. But there's not 320 schools in Indiana and in the IHSA. There's actually more like 420. But not every school offers football. Every school does offer basketball. So if you want to know, go through and look at the, and some of these schools that I, that I would think of as tiny schools, for sure small schools. One of them was Wheeler. Wheeler made the state meet last year. No, Wheeler's 3A in both boys and girls basketball. So they'd be in the top class. So they'd be in the top class. Yes. And that's what people, most people don't realize about that cutoff line. Is because like- every school offers cross country. But then it also gets into every school offers cross country, but then how many complete teams are there in the sectional? And I bet if we went through and looked at it, I, I would guess it's less than the schools that offer football. But, but they have that as a sport, so we'd have to count that. Right. And I'm fine with the one-class tournament too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if we're going to do class, there's a way to do it and maintain the integrity of the individual race and still see Cole Eckstein um, versus Gabe Fendel, or you know, people would say Zach Snyder versus Ben Veach, um, which which was you know probably the all time great individual race. But Burbuff is is on the other side of that cutoff if we just do straight up 
half. Now, maybe a more fair way to do it is the lower two thirds and the upper third. Or even do 4A, the upper 25% versus the lower 75%. But I, 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 don't, I don't see the IHSA accepting that. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of a one step at a time thing right now. Like that, that's what we started talking about the move it, if it moved from four to three rounds, the section or the, the tournament moving from four to three rounds. So, and, and it could move, next, but it could also move from four to three and they just use the track format, right? Which would be 32 sectionals and eight regionals. And then you could still do 24 teams at the state meet by having three teams advance from each of the eight regionals. But how, how interested is the IHSAA and how interested is the IATCCC in having the best teams represented at the state meet? And if we use the track format, one of the regionals has eight of the consistently 20 best teams and only three of them are getting out. So we are definitely going to get into years where a top five team doesn't get out of that, especially on the girls' side. Of that Which is region. why I have a hard time going with the, just the straight-up track setup for a three-round tournament. Right. Even though but, it it's, would, but it's already in place, so I just – I wonder. Right, even though it would benefit where I am right now. Right. And I, I think the easy, the easy fix is to just to say we're starting at, we're starting at the round of, of, with 16 locations. We're starting at the sectional, and then there will be the Shelbyville Regional, the New Haven Regional, the Brown County Regional, and the New Prairie Regional. That's easy. It's right there. Wait, end, ending on, or I don't know how much more you want to talk about this particular thing, but I even, I even kind of joked, I would want to continue calling it regional semi-state state. You can't, you can't do that, though. It has to start. You have to start with you, sectional? It has to, yeah. Because, Apparently in Illinois, it's the opposite. Regional. Right. I was talking to then, someone yeah. about that. I was talking to our bus driver about that at our JV meet on Thursday. And I was like, I guess, I mean, I don't know. To me, a section seems smaller than a region, right? But how much of that is just it seeping into my brain over the last 20 years exactly. of following Indiana high school sports? Exactly. That, yeah, that is funny. And I think Illinois is a three-round tournament. Okay. So would they go like regional, sectional, state? Yeah, and, yeah, but they also have three classes. And also they've got they've got a really challenging way because all of 80% of their population lives in the same area, right? Versus, I mean, Indiana's probably more like 50% of our population lives in the Indy metro area. But I think I think at least 80% of Illinois lives in the Chicago metro area. So they've got to find ways to break that up and parcel it out right. um, and send those all different places, I'd imagine. It's a fun conversation. What do you, you want a three-round tournament then, right? I think it would be, I think it would be more beneficial to the sport. Yes. It's hard to, it's hard to look at, it's hard to look at the round that we had today. And I, I've heard from people that know things that like, the IHSAA sees that teams don't run their best kids in the first round of the tournament. But I, I think it's hard to look at today. I don't want to be down on it. Um, I, it's hard to look at today and say that we need a fourth a four rounds to it. And someone made the argument about, you know, it's harder racing 
all out four straight weeks, which, you know, you go through season eight to 10 meets. I'm sure you have segments of four to five races. Um, but if you can get it to three, only three weeks where maybe you take the week before the tournament off, that could potentially help a lot of yeah. teams. Although I, I wonder like if they cut it to three rounds. I wonder if the IHSA won't just have this as an off week if they will, because the, the soccer tournament and the cross country tournaments culminate on the same day. And that's gotta be, that's gotta be tough. But soccer recently switched to a shorter tournament over the last 10 years because they classed the tournament and it still ends on the same day. So yeah. maybe so, yeah, I just like, say likes having a state finals day where there's a lot going on. So it's like in a, in a three round tournament, now you have an extra week in the season. Do you move up the tournament or move back the start of the season? or do an off week or add meets. I mean, I, I think what would be best is moving it, just moving it back a week and having this as an off week, or maybe there are, maybe it just buys more time and there are meets this weekend. Um, mm -hmm. And teams can choose whether they do that, or maybe it's a moratorium on varsity meets, but you, you know, cause we, only there meets. were JV meets Wednesday and Thursday this week. And it, you know, that could buy another week, especially to get like a JV invite or something on saturday in early to mid october to give those kids because this year on the jv side like what really nice days did we have that um, last week of september Labor day was, was probably the best one right and it was okay but that was yeah. still mid 60s right and and it, it rained a lot um leading up to it or maybe it was after that um, but it was humid because it was getting ready to rain. And then the last weekend of September was pretty good, but those courses had taken on a lot of rain. And yeah, I just, that's a big motivating factor in the sport. What kind of time can you run? You know, that has an effect on the, the kids that ran today that are on their, on the team's JV on, on some top teams that ran, you know, the boys at Carmel that ran 1650 or the boys at Columbus North that ran 17 flat or whatever, if that could have been 1635 or 1640 at those meets, that that's important. That's important to those kids. I just, they don't, they didn't really get a good, a good shot for it. Right. So, but maybe next year it'll be 45 for the sectional. Sometimes it is. Yeah. It just kind of alternates on years, on some years. We can think back to each year where it was really warm and, or bad weather years and, you like yeah, although it was a really nice year, Eagle Classic. You're you're paying attention to it. I asked this to Rick Weinheimer one time, and I thought he would be like, "What? No, that's crazy." Like, I said, "Does it just feel tangibly warmer now, later, and at key points than it used to ten years ago?" And he was like, "Absolutely." Okay. And I, that that just it seemed like it was always nice at, at starting in October. And it just, it's only, it only feels recently that it's been, I guess in the last five years or so that it's like, how is it 80 degrees on October 10th? You know, we want to work out, we want to do certain things. And it's like, we can't even do the, the long threshold run that we wanted to do because it's 83 degrees on Thursday after school before the regional. So, so coach Williams, he, on our split sheets for each meet, he actually charts like the weather, like he puts like about what the temperature is and like the footing and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm going to, if, if I, if there's room for me to come back on 
uh, the rest of the season. I'll, I'll have try to have some data for you on okay. uh, sectional, regional, semi-state, state temperatures the last the last few years or whatever. And some of it's random, right? I mean, some of it yeah. is like yeah. it was really, really nice in 2019, and that was only two years ago. But it just seems to be more, it seems to be more frequent, or maybe I'm just paying more attention to it now because I figured out what the weather really means in terms of running performance. I don't know. Would you, would you call your weather status? What are you? Amateur meteorologist. An amateur meteorologist. That's right. And then Taylor tried to say he was an amateur meteorologist. And I was like, I pegged him down to a novice. All right, man. Anything else? Looking forward to next week. It ain't silly anymore. Yeah, it's no longer silly season. What what is it? Is it serious season? It's time to get after. It's the tournament, Josh. It's the regional. Good, like as as much as we're like this is crazy, nothing happens. Like good teams are getting knocked out next week mm. in West Noble and in Noblesville. There are state meet type teams getting knocked out. There are top fifteen teams that that are going to be out of the of the Noblesville regional for sure. So whoever whoever you have on for the preview. That'd be, that'd be one thing to look at. So yeah, we might do, we might do a call. We might do an IR miles split crossover actually this week. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, I, they, but they do video with theirs. I don't know. I've, I got a real, I got a real face for podcasts. I've been told <laughs> people come up to me at meets and not saying, you know, demeaning things like that. It's only cool. It's only okay if I say it, but people come to you at meets and being like, Hey, I love the podcast. So shout out they know coming up are, to me huh? at the meets, unless your team beats mine. And then I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Hey, do you, do you like your new shirt? Yeah, man. I haven't worn it yet. I should have okay. worn it for that. Shout, shout out Ryan Ream. He'll, he'll yeah, shout it. out for the shirt. I've been getting shirts from the podcast. We get fan mail. Got my Garen shirts. Got my Bloomington South shirt. Shout outs all over the place. We love shout outs. It's, it's becoming an inside joke on our team. I hope you know that. Oh, yeah. Shout, shouting out. I, I, you know, I take, I take my position seriously as, a, as an influencer of, of Indiana high school distance running. So, I think that's great. We're good. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you. We'll see you soon. Well, we won't see you because we don't do this is an audio medium. We'll hear from you soon. Of course. Thanks, Colin. All right. Thanks.